0: mindfulness mode
1: you know if you're a doodler keep doodling doodling helps you stay focused
0: hey welcome mindful tribe it's Bruce here I just got back from podfest in Orlando that was so much fun and great to meet up with other podcasters and I'm getting ready to celebrate our 4 million downloads so stay tuned and sit back relax and enjoy today's episode I'm here with a person who is passionate about lifting the creative spirit in everyone that she meets. And she's followed her own passion for helping people communicate their ideas and combined with creativity. And she's founded an organization called Mind's Eye Creative Consulting. And you will find her with markers in her hand as she's helping to bring ideas to life through graphic recording and graphic facilitation practices. She's worked with all kinds of diverse groups from nonprofits to fortune 500 companies and she will appear to be the silent illustrator in the room perhaps if you're at a conference or an event but in fact she's helping to break down complex concepts and notions into an easily understandable visual language and so this is going to be very interesting this morning my guest is Ashton Rodenizer. Ashton are you in mindfulness mode today?
1: I'm going to say yes with a question mark.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, we both got up early, didn't we, to do this interview?
1: <laughs> we did. It, you know what? It's just so, I'm just so happy to be here chatting with you today. Uh, I, could, I could chat with a fellow Canadian all day long, I think.
0: Yeah, it's great to talk to you. Great to meet you. You're in Nova Scotia and I'm in Ontario. We're both kind of in the rural areas. So isn't it awesome living in an area where, you know, you're kind of away from the hustle and bustle of the city?
1: Yeah, I did live um, in the city for a couple of years, but I always knew that, you know, I'm a country girl at heart. I love being surrounded by the trees. I love that I literally have cows on one side of me and cows on the other, you know, like it's just (laughs) you can hear them in the distance and. Being able to go out as it's just turning dark and seeing all the stars and stuff. It's, yeah, it's definitely, um, I'm very grateful to be, live in such a beautiful place.
0: Oh, yeah, me too. Yeah. Well, Ashton, what does mindfulness mean to you? you It sounds like you've almost described it in part right there.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I always, uh, my sort of like thing is around mindfulness while we can include in some of our creativity Um, And one thing that I tend to come across a lot of is people usually fall in like two camps, the creative type with air quotations and the non-creative type air quotations. Right. So and I find it so sad when I meet someone and they're like, oh, I'm not creative because we really, truly all are in our own way. We likely had an encounter at some point, probably in our childhood, where it told us that we weren't creative. Um, And we can use our creativity in so many different ways. And uh, certainly we can do it in a way that um, can incorporate mindfulness. So I love being able to talk about um, doodling as a really non-threatening art form for people to get started to reignite their creativity. Um, I think mindfulness can be a very beautiful stepping stone into that as well.
0: Yeah, I do too. Yeah, well, when my son was in kindergarten, another child looked over at his work and said, you're scribbling. And for some reason that had an effect on him so that he he doesn't like art and never thinks he can draw or be creative. Although he is very creative because he does drama and he does music and things like that. But I think that's happened to more people than than you would imagine it's it seems as though i talk to lots of people who just dismiss it and they're just like oh yeah i'm not creative and then they kind of laugh yeah
1: yeah Yeah, it definitely yeah that's something that i encounter all the time especially when i'm working in person with groups of people and they're like oh i wish i could do that i can't do that i can't draw i can't this and it is very unfortunate. and I had, I even had an experience like that when I was younger. I can remember when a grade four teacher like told me I was painting wrong. And like in my little nine year old mind, just, it was like a switch. I remember mm-hmm. just being like, oh, well, I can't do this. I did do other creative forms, but I definitely really struggled sort of picking up a paintbrush or like a pen and kind of being creative in that way. And, you know, It's just those smallest, tiniest comments that can rewire our brain that way. And so I find the most of the thing that I end up talking to people about is just like taking back that and being like, oh, that experience I had wasn't true. You know, I am creative. And it doesn't like, even though I'm in like sort of the visual art space, it does not have to be visual art at all. It could be anything. It could be storytelling. It could be writing. It could be you're really good at making feel making people feel uh, safe in a space. It could be, you're really funny or, you know, like there's so many different ways to be able to express creativity. It's not just limited to visual art.
0: Right. When did you know that this could be a career for you, Ashton?
1: Yeah. So I was working um, at a family center and I learned, and I started doing like a lot of like facilitation work. And I really fell in love with how you can facilitate a group of people and it's really about their wisdom and their knowledge and their ideas. And you're, as the facilitator, bringing that out in them, right? Asking the questions, building connections and creating a safe space for people to explore. And I I thought maybe at one point I wanted to be a teacher. But then when I found facilitation, I was like, this is even better mm-hmm. because you don't actually have to know anything, you know, jokes aside. Um, I really love being able to create safe spaces for people in that way. Um, where they can really hear their own wisdom and bring that forward. So, uh, I did that for a number of years. Um, I was doing that in the city. I moved back home and started trying to reconnect with, um, people in my community Mm -hmm. and, uh, met a friend who did facilitation work. Um, and he told me about a, a one day workshop about graphic facilitation. I'd never seen it before. I had no idea what it was. Um, but honestly, I took that workshop and my life just totally like did a 180, 360, whatever the, the thing is. Yeah. And I was like, this is the coolest thing ever. It's like this space where you can hold space for people. You can create that safety. You can. It's really about their, their wisdom and their ideas. But instead of just feeding back in words, now you can feed back in pictures. And I thought that was so interesting. So I started doing a little bit for a a group I was facilitating at the time. And I was personally blown away with how much I could remember, the impact it had on the people in the group. And, you know, it really solidified for me, like this wasn't just like a cute thing, like this was meaningful and and a powerful way of working. Um, And that was over 10 years ago now. So um, I, I sort of played around for the first few years, about two years. Um, and then I attended a, a conference in Austin, Texas in 2015 with the International Forum of Visual Practitioners, which are people who do this type of work. Mm-hmm. And I went with a very specific goal in mind where I wanted to figure out, I wanted to learn and hear about people's business experience. Like, Cause unfortunately when you do this type of work, like unless you get hired by the very, very, very few agencies that are around the world, you're kind of defaulted in having to start a business. <laughs> so I went with to that conference with that in mind. And obviously, you know, the answer to the question that I wanted answered. But yeah, I was very intimidated, but I tried to channel that into inspiration from others. I'm like, well, if they made a business, I'm sure I could figure it out. Like, I'm pretty smart. <laughs> you know, I'm sure I could figure that definitely. out. So. Yeah. So those first few years definitely were very slow and me trying to figure all the things out. But I'm really glad that I persevered and I'm kind of um a bit on that other side of that now. Yeah.
0: And when was the term sketch noting coined? Has it been around for a long time?
1: Yeah, so sketchnoting was coined by a guy named Mike Rhodey and he uh published a book um I think this year is its eleventh anniversary of the book. Um, it takes a very similar principles that you use of a, as like a graphic recorder, graphic facilitator, live illustrator, whatever you want to call it, right. um, but just makes it more small scale. So when I'm working with groups of people um, in a physical room or a virtual room and drawing out in real time what they're saying and what they're discussing, um, that uh, it's a similar skill set. So Uh, which really kind of originated out of San Francisco in the 70s, was picked Mm -hmm. up by some consulting firms in the 90s. Um, But I still encounter lots of people who've never seen it, never heard of it. Um, But it has been around for quite a while. But the term sketchnoting as a word uh, really came from that book about 11 years ago. And that, that terminology, that very specific term, uh, seem has seemed to catch on with people outside of the profession, which I really love because okay. I think it's a beautiful thing for people to experience the benefit, even if they don't want to be like a professional like myself.
0: Right. Well, you've put together the book, The Beginner's Guide to Sketch Noting. What did you want to achieve when you decided to write this book?
1: Yeah, so I was encountering a lot of people who would come up to me at events and say, oh, I wish I could learn how to do that. That looks so fun. It looks so engaging. Like, you know, people would, you know, kind of joke with me and say, oh, I wish you could follow me around and attend all of my meetings with me. And, you know, when I would say to them, oh, well, you could learn it. It's actually not that hard. They're like, oh, no, I could never. Oh, I could never. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I would get those comments. Oh, I'm not creative enough, blah, blah, blah. So my vision when putting the the book together was to really make it as like simple and easy to do as possible so i really workshopped it for about a year and a half with um, almost a hundred beta readers and really trying to simplify the process as much as possible and give people the foundational pieces and support um, throughout the book that by the end of it they're like totally capable like they know the really basic drawing elements. They know if they want to, you know, incorporate icons and things to like make it a bit more engaging. Um, but really, it's about sort of the those basic foundational pieces that I felt were missing sort of out in the world a little bit. So I wanted to simplify it for people. So it's really good for people who are like, oh, well, maybe, you know, I would like to benefit from the power of visuals, but maybe I really struggle with knowing how to draw. How can I do that? Right. So like the first thing we talk about is lines, like drawing lines and why to draw a line, how to draw a line. Right. So like even if something as simple as a line, um, you know, to, to get people started on it.
0: Right. And your website is called mindseyecreative.ca. What can we expect to find when we go to Minds Eye Creative?
1: Yeah, that that site has like it's a bit of my portfolio for my professional work, okay. um, which is really nice. I have a secondary site, of course, because <laughs> mm. apparently I have to have more than one, uh, which is ske- which is sketchnote.school. So that's all things learning how to sketchnote. So I'm really, I still really love working with clients at events and conferences and meetings and all of those good things. But um, I'm really focusing on this year in the education space and trying to get this skill set in the hands of as many people as possible So that's where I have um, a newsletter and a community that people can sign up for um, and the book and all of that good stuff. Well, I see up. that
0: you are on social media all over the place. You're on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. You're on Pinterest, TikTok, <laughs> and yeah. So
1: why do I do this to myself? <laughs> well,
0: tell me about that. Like, is do you find that fairly easy to get out there and and to be present on all these different platforms, or is it something that that came to you gradually, or how did that go for you?
1: Yeah, yeah, it's definitely interesting because um, I really, I really. F- really spent the majority of my 10 years hiding behind my illustrations right so when i would go to a meeting you know someone would come up to take a picture of what i drew and i would step aside because it's really not about me Mm -hmm. and what i create it's really about their own ideas and voice right so you know i i sheepishly hid behind my work you know um for a very very long time and i spent the majority of last year just trying to get comfortable (laughs) with the idea of being more visible and Mm -hmm. what does that look like and it's actually like very difficult it's Mm -hmm. very difficult to like put your actual face out there and not hide behind your drawings or your work or your art or whatever it is that you're doing right Putting your actual face out there, for me anyways, my experience has been quite uh, an area of growth for me. Um, And that's why, you know, last year I started reaching out to people like you about um, having these types of conversations. So, you know, like, oh, maybe I do have ideas and opinions that people might like to learn about, you know? So it's, I have a whole new respect for like content creators and what does that look like because they make it look so easy and it is not it is absolutely not easy to do especially when you're putting your own face out there with a strong opinion about something right um you know i I think it will just kind of get easier over time and then it will just be like part of my thing you know like oh i'm just gonna say this thing today and it's all good no matter what happens Mm -hmm. um but yeah, it's definitely been a really, really big area of growth for me. And I've learned a lot um, recently about you know leadership and 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 all of that kind of good stuff in, in the process of putting the book out there and and uh, having conversations with people like you and stuff. So it's been very, very eye opening for me for sure.
0: Well, you've made it so accessible for people, and you've even got a free video lesson online at sketchnote101.com. What yeah. can we learn if we go to that free video lesson?
1: Yeah, it's, I, really, I, I find the hardest thing for people is just to do your first one, yeah. right? We look at them and we go, oh, I could never do that. It looks so complicated. So I wanted to try to allow people to have like the quickest win as possible, that's why I was like, okay, it's 15 minutes. Basically, you're just like following along and drawing with me, right? We actually have my original, like right beside me on my wall. It's like tattered and, and ripped a bit, but it's still like precious to me, like the original that I actually follow along in the video. Um, you know, we do, we start with like letters and lines and containers and little people, and then introduce like the sketch noting wheel process that I teach. And, you know, when you're, you follow along with me and you just did your first one, right? So. Once you kind of get through that and you're like, oh, well, I could do this. It does not seem so hard. Then it can encourage people to kind of keep, keep learning and keep doing it. Yeah.
0: Well, I can just imagine when you're at a conference and somebody's up there speaking, uh, it's not only just your ability to draw and to sketch and to use your markers to create something great, but you need to be able to summarize what they're saying and know what you're going to draw. And isn't that one of the most difficult skills?
1: Yeah. So the sketching process that I teach, it's like this like circle, but it's like intertwined. So it's like listen, making sense, and capturing. And then in the middle, it's kind of like a triangle. And then in the middle is what we call like visual vocabulary and visual communication, mm-hmm. or visual language. All those words, all the buzzwords in yeah. my industry, right? So you have to listen, and you have to make sense of what you're listening, and you have to capture it all at the same time and lean on your visual language and your visual vocabulary to do so, right? So building up skills so that when you hear something, you already have an image in your mind that you already know how to draw. That's the like extra special piece that I think people don't understand, is when I'm up there or when you're doing it yourself, when someone says something like, the, oh, this is a big, the big idea is you already know how to draw a light bulb. Like in your mind, you're like, oh, idea, light bulb. I already know how to draw a light bulb. Right. And then you draw a light bulb without hesitation. Yeah. Right. So really grounding yourself in those, like the basic elements of like lines and containers and all those things. And then you can start adding in icons like a light bulb and things. But the practice, you've already practiced drawing those things. Mm-hmm. So you can just lean it like it's like the muscle memory is already there. So when you know you're confident, when you make a line, it's going to look the way that you were hoping it would. Right. Right. And then once you kind of like have just the practice of that stuff, it makes the listening and the making sense of that information in the moment a lot easier to do because you have your vocabulary to lean on. You have that experience to lean on right? So it makes the capturing part of it a lot easier. So, but it does take a little bit of practice and time and like muscle memory. Like if you ever watch like reels or TikToks and people are very fluidly drawing something and it's like the perfect circle, Mm -hmm. it's because that person drew that a circle probably thousands of times Mm -hmm. so they could trust themselves when they start they put the pen on the paper, they start making the circle, they know they're going to end exactly where they started, for example, right? And that, that muscle memory, that confidence only comes from a ridiculous amount of practice, right. unfortunately. Right. I think that's where like the mindfulness stuff can come in because you could just start making marks and not even like be trying to draw anything at all just getting yourself comfortable with that sort of muscle memory. Or you could sit there and draw like 100 light bulbs in a row and just be like focusing on, on drawing that thing over and over again, right? So um, yeah, the, the listening and the making sense are definitely the most challenging pieces, but honestly, they're the most rewarding, Right. right? Once you practice that skill, that's where everything comes together. Because you're learning in the moment, whereas a lot of traditional note taking is it's um, you listen, you write it down, you listen, you write it down, but you're missing the making sense piece. So when people leave a meeting or an event and they're like, oh, we took a bunch of notes, but like, I don't even know, like I looked at them, I don't even know, know what they mean. I don't even know that they, they don't make sense because they didn't do that learning in the moment.
0: Mm-hmm. which
1: is what that is like a beautiful practice. And it challenges you to stop and think like, oh, what visual could go with this? How could I explain this in the shortest amount of words possible, right? It's also like creating a bit of a shorthand as well, right? And because visuals bring up that um, recall for us, then you don't always have to write all the words out. You could write a few words, write a little visual, And it will take you back to that story, for example, of Mm -hmm. what somebody said. You don't have to write out the whole story, for example, right?
0: You must go to events and conferences of all different descriptions. Have you ever gone to one and you thought, this is information I really didn't want to know?
1: Well, I do. I do a ton. I have a really awesome client in the U.S. who does cybersecurity training. Okay. I am highly paranoid now. I'm not gonna lie. I'm very yeah. paranoid about all things cybersecurity. Um, anybody who will listen to me talk about things that they should be wary of, I will tell them. Most people, I, you know, I want their blinders on. They don't want to know. Which is fine. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah i work in a lot of technical spaces so sometimes those ones can be a little challenging especially when they're talking about how they're like writing this code that's you know in demos those are really difficult if near impossible to do but i Mm -hmm. do do them um but yeah no it's really fascinating because i get to be in really interesting spaces and learn about not just the information but sometimes like people's like lived experience in a particular issue so it makes me like highly educated um, around, you know, even certain like issues that might be happening in in a particular community, which is really interesting because you'll hear something on the news and they'll interview a couple people, but you're getting a thirty second to three minute kind of snapshot mm-hmm. of that issue. But when you're sitting in a room with people from lived experience. Um, and they're all ages, all backgrounds, and they're talking about a particular issue for like two days straight, you come very <laughs> intertwined, and you get educated real quick on on issues that you really only know surface level information about. So it's made me very um, aware around and, and critical, almost maybe to a fault, I don't know, when i hear things on the news and stuff i'm like you know is this true lived experience that we're talking about here or is this just sensationalized kind of kind of topic it's interesting it definitely makes definitely eye opening and in, in a lot of situations i find myself in for sure
0: right yeah it sounds interesting for sure yeah i want to uh ask you if you meditate or if there's any form of meditation in your life
1: yeah so um, that was one of my like little goals for 2024. Yeah. So okay. I one thing that I I don't tend to do is take time to do the, those types of practices. So one thing that I've decided to do this year is like the half an hour like after the kids get on the bus, mm-hmm. I have about a half an hour and I have a piece of paper that I've have sectioned off into spaces and I've been meditating for about 10 minutes. Sometimes it's just sound on an app or sometimes it's like a guided thing. And um, then I'll take some time. I'll just sit. I'll be thinking about a few things. You know, maybe it was something that came up in a meditation, maybe not. And make some notes about what I'm thinking about. Like, I made a little note here when you were saying the word scribbling. Like, I feel like, ooh, that's a word I haven't heard for a while but it's actually very, like, interesting. Like I could probably talk a whole hour on like this idea of like scribbling versus doodling versus drawing all that stuff. Right. So that might be something that I'll add to that paper. Um, so that's sort of like, I've created a bit, it, it's interesting because, you know, my, my friends and family kind of poke fun at me because I'm very creative, but I'm also very analytical. Like I like having the structure of this piece of paper mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. to write things on and, 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 put my thoughts there in this, like in this container, um, but yeah, anyway, so the, yeah, that's sort of um, a practice that I've been trying to incorporate since the beginning of the year.
0: Yeah. Well, that's cool. Well, I always ask you a question about bullying, Ashton, and I'm wondering if you have a story of any kind about bullying where mindfulness would have made a difference.
1: Oh, my goodness. Oh my goodness, I don't I don't know, but I will say this. I don't know if this really relates to your question, but I will tell you something that I learned a few years ago around like a new definition for forgiveness, mm-hmm. and it's really about letting go of the pain so it doesn't hold you back anymore. Yeah. Right, and I really love that definition because it's not about forgiving a person, it has nothing to do with the other person. Mm -hmm. Um, So I feel like I I take that philosophy into a lot of different areas of my life, Um, you know, so you could relate that to bullying, possibly.
0: (laughs) That's really good because a lot of people who are bullied, they hang on to it. Exactly. And they identify it, they name it, they create this into something that exists in a big way for them in their minds, and then... And then they're not able to let go of it the way you're describing, and they think it's right. it's their identity. So it is so important to realize that it doesn't need to be your identity.
1: yeah it, it is making a very specific conscious effort, like decision. I am choosing to let this go, so it doesn't hold me back anymore. And it is like a little bit about taking your own identity and power back and not giving it giving that energy, giving that, um, yeah, giving that to somebody else who probably doesn't even know that they're holding that, you know. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I that's this way I like to kind of look at things like that for sure. Yes.
0: Yeah, I I want to ask you <clears throat> another question about mindfulness, and that is, uh, what have you learned from your children about mindfulness? Mm.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Kids, or at least my kids, they definitely make you like pause and slow down with things because they're just like slow in nature. Right. And and when you're like, hurry up, hurry up, come on, get your socks 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 on. (laughs) you know, it it makes you, makes you pause. And, you know, I think we're, we are just like a notoriously late family, you know, not like ridiculously late, like, you know, five minutes, 10 minutes late to everything. And I'm like, you know, there's things that you're like, it's fine. The world's not going to fall apart if we're 10 minutes late to this thing, you know, and, and it makes you, you know, pause, slow, slow down a little bit. And, um, yeah. And, and, it, and I am really grateful that they're teaching um, some of these things like growth mindset, mindfulness and doing these yoga stretches like they're incorporating some of that stuff in their school, which I never had. And I think that's a really beautiful thing. So, um, yeah, they, are they kind of for, like it? they force you in a bit to be present. Because if you go against it, you're just going to have more work on your hands and you're going to end up angry and yelling and doing all the things, you yeah. know.
0: Do you ever go into schools and show your skills?
1: Yeah, that's actually quite a a, a very in-purpose uh, focus for me this year. So um, I recently hosted World Sketch Note Day event on January 11th, oh. and I ended up having 740 people register from 64 countries. Wow. Wow. Um, uh, which didn't include 80 students from a local high school. Um, and so I'm meeting with the teacher who set that up for those for those students um, in a couple of weeks and just sort of dive into, you know, what was her experience watching these students learn? Because the beginning of, it was a three-hour event. The beginning of the event, I opened up the day teaching like a sketchnoting 101, like a 35 minute session. Mm-hmm. And, um, she actually sent me a, a picture the other day of someone's sketch note that they didn't really want to share, but she, they said that she, they could share it with me. Yeah. And, um, yeah. And I have a, a friend who's a grade five teacher and my daughter is also in grade five, uh, my oldest daughter. And, um, I'm, I'm learning now that they're learning note-taking at age, age 10, grade five. Oh, so, um, yeah. So I have a few opportunities, Uh, to sort of look at what does this look like a little bit more, learn from some of these people that are incorporating it, how I can support them, what's missing, what are they coming up against, and then take it a little bit more broadly. So, because I really believe this is a very powerful skill set for students to learn, or at least... You know, have it as an option. If students don't want to do it, that's cool, too. But just having it as an option, I think, would be really great. So Mm -hmm. um, it's something that I'm going to be spending, I think, the next few months just gathering some case studies, talking about what are those barriers, what are students struggling with, and then um, try to take it on the road and see how far I can get with it.
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds really interesting. And what's coming up? What's on the horizon?
1: Uh, That is honestly a big part of it. That is a big part of it. Um, I'm also building up my community. It does have a free and a paid space in it, um, and I, and for the World Sketch Note Day, welcome to people into this community. I really want to bring people together. Um, I'm in the process of potentially developing developing a bit of a mentorship program as well within my community, so we can I can pair people who have been doing it for a while with people who are building skills, um, and really build help make those connections and build relationships with others. Um, it's something that I'm not really seeing out there right now. Um, so I think there's a really interesting opportunity. So I'm kind of learning from the success of the World Sketchnut Day event. And, you know, where are people struggling? Where do they need the most help? What's holding them back and all of that good stuff. So I'm a bit in like a little bit of research mode, but I'm really excited to kind of see how some of these things are going to unfold for the first sketchnote school um, community uh, moving forward this year.
0: I just wanted to ask you, maybe, maybe one of my Mindful Tribe listeners is listening to this and thinking, man, this just is something I want to learn about. I want to do this. I want to jump in. Would you work one-on-one with a client if they reached out to you?
1: Yeah, I definitely have done done some uh, coaching and consulting and stuff like sometimes people have a very specific thing in mind that they are trying to create and they want just some, some overall help with like a specific project or just to get started. But um, yeah, I definitely am happy to work with people one on one. I'm trying to encourage people to join the we call it the playground part of sketchnote school. Um, because we kind of have it formulated like actual school. Like there's the classroom and the playground, and the playground is our free space. I'm trying to encourage people to join that free space so they can connect with me and others. Um, because it's really about building I really love building community. So we're not working right. as individuals. So but yeah, I certainly do. And, and I've actually been coaching like other um graphic facilitators in business too, which is a whole other thing. But I sometimes get requests from people um and help, so I do have some, some clients that I help on like a consulting and coaching right. um, way to help them with their businesses, which I really love as well. So it's like right. a whole lot of everything, yeah. <laughs> but that's what makes every day really fun. It's exciting. It's mm. exciting. And
0: once again, your your website is sketchnote.school. Yeah. So that's where we can connect with you, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. All things sketchnoting, doodling, all of those, all those things. Visual note-taking, I guess, is another way to call right. it. But yeah, yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, as we move forward in the interview, Ashton, I want to ask you five quick answer questions. So just 30-second okay. answers are perfect. I'm going to
1: try I'll try my best. I know I'm long-winded. You, you know this about oh, me. Oh, no, right? that's okay. I'm a bit long-winded, so yeah, I'll try okay. my best. Well, the first <laughs> question
0: is this. Who is one person who has been a powerful influence for you in your life?
1: Uh, is this like a dead or alive question? Does yeah, it matter? could be dead or alive, yeah. Okay, well, I'm going to say Maude Lewis. She's a famous oh, yeah. Nova Scotia folk artist. She's amazing. Look up her stuff. And she really encouraged me, Um, you know... As a folk artist, you don't have to have any training, and I don't have any training in art um, or anything. And, yeah, I, I love her style. She's best.
0: So do I. I. Yeah. There's
1: even uh, a movie about her. You should watch it. Yeah, yeah
0: and Mottie. you can go to her museum as well.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah,
0: that's really cool. Okay, and my second question is about emotions. How has mindfulness changed how you deal with your emotions?
1: Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Um, Wow. That, that is, that is a big question. I, I am definitely like a highly sensitive person. Um, and, uh, I think it's helped me just be okay with that. We'll keep it at that. We'll keep it at that. we will keep it nice and short. Okay.
0: okay. Yeah. Uh, we haven't talked about breathing on this interview mm-hmm. at all, but do you have any thoughts on breathing as it relates to mindfulness?
1: Oh my gosh, that I'm not so great at it. Okay. <laughs> Uh, it's something that I definitely uh, try to be mindful about, but it is, is—it is, yeah, you have to really think, you have to be intentional about it, and it's something that I'm not so wonderful at. So, um, yeah, I think it's an important part.
0: Right, for sure. Yeah, okay. I want to ask you about uh, uh, if there's an app that you would recommend that helps with mindfulness at all.
1: Um, well... Uh, I do use insight timer. I'm Mm -hmm. sure a lot of people probably do, but there's another one that people might not be as familiar with and it's called true voice. Um, And I actually have a friend who writes some of the meditations on there and um, just speak a couple of them. Um, And they also have like little chats. They'll open up at certain times with certain topics. So um, you can actually like go on voice and you know, Sometimes they'll do like a walkthrough meditation so it's live and then they'll have a discussion about what came up for you after. So it's yeah, it's like really it's a very community building app. So I would encourage people to to check out True Voice. Right. Yeah.
0: Um I wanna ask you a little bit more about Maud Lewis and and how yeah. she has influenced your your work and your life. Yeah. And this one isn't isn't a thirty second question. Okay. So just you can just chat about
1: that I'll just I'll just piggyback off what I said um yeah I I think I love that she you know I I was really struggling with the fact that I didn't have any formal art training like I've never like I'm I'm musical also like I've Mm -hmm. taken music classes and lessons but I never took any Art lessons, art classes, I didn't go to art school. And I hid that fact for a very long time. And I didn't, I was afraid people wouldn't take me seriously if they found mm-hmm. out I didn't go to art school. Yeah. And, um, you know, so I love uh, her and folk art in general for that uh, untrained, it is what it is. Um, mm-hmm. I also love the, the way that folk art is, a lot of it is like found materials. Mm-hmm. right so like Maud lewis like her husband was um like a boat uh builder i believe is a builder but he did stuff around boats and so he would bring home like old boat paint and pieces of scrap wood and stuff like that and that's what she would um that's what she would create her pieces of art on a lot of the time especially in those early days when she started um she also had uh juvenile arthritis, which made it really difficult for her to like hold a pen and things or a paintbrush and things like that. So I love the, you know, the fact she persevered and she didn't let her like physical limitations stop her. Um, I love bright colors and I love thick black lines and that's a lot of her jam. And, um, I was hearing a lot of stuff when I was starting out around like composition and colors and, all these things. And people were saying, don't use black lines. It's too stark. It's too like aggressive or, and I'm like, but I love thick black lines. Yeah. So I think like looking at her work, um, you know, just kind of inspired me and encouraged me just to, like to do my own thing that I don't have to listen to the like quote unquote like art experts out there and like how it's supposed to look or what it's supposed to look like um, and just sort of like follow the way that I wanted to do it, the way I wanted to create something. Um, yeah. And her stuff is fun. There's like little cute little cats and stuff. And I like being playful in my work. I like, um, it's called like anthropomorphism where you like add faces to objects. Like I like doing that. Like add a face to a pencil, add a face to a box or a a computer screen or whatever it is that you're drawing. Right. So I love like the playfulness and the joy, um, and how it brings a smile on your face when you see her work. And I want people to look at that and like learn something and also it be playful and joyful and make people smile
0: that's really refreshing to yeah. to hear you talk about that it really is uh yeah. one other question is about a book your book beginner's guide to sketch mm-hmm. noting i recommend but are there any books that you would recommend to our listeners today that might be about mindfulness or maybe related to your mm. your work as an artist as a sketch noter
1: Interesting. I would say, well, usually one of the top ones that I tend to recommend to people for, um, and like more mindset stuff would be like the untethered soul by Michael Singer. Yes. Yeah. That's a good one. I even just tell people just read like the first two chapters, like Mm even if you don't want to read the whole thing, because the talk, he talks a lot about like, you are not your thoughts, right? Your thoughts are separate from you and that sort of concept. So if people are kind of new to that idea, that's usually the one that I recommend to people, um, the most. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. Really and another book. one that is like totally off topic that I'll recommend anyways, is overcoming under by Barbara Stanny, who's yeah. now Barbara Hudson, but Barbara Stanny, I think is still the name that she goes by for that book. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's good for people who are looking to try to figure out how do I like make money by my, with my passion? What does that look like? Um, And so it's a lot on like mindset um, as well, Um, but with more with like a, you know, income focused, but it's a good one. It makes you think really hard about stuff. And there's like, it's kind of a workbook within a book as well, which is really cool.
0: Well, I'll put all of this in our show notes at mindfulnessmode.com. And as we wrap up the interview, Ashton, do you have any final words of advice to anyone who is maybe thinking about this and wanting to move into this space or even just in a small way
1: yeah I, I say like you know if you're a doodler keep doodling doodling helps you stay focused it does the opposite you know if you ever need someone to uh, back you up on your doodles and your notebook it's you call call me tell them say call Ashton and I'll, I'll set them straight um, I think doodling is a beautiful way to allow people to Start getting comfortable with what that looks like for um, just putting pen to paper again. I think pe- putting pen to paper is an act of rebellion, to be honest with you. <laughs> <laughs> so if you're putting pen to paper these days, just know like you're in the revolution because <laughs> every since everything is so technical um, and we go to meetings and everybody just like pops their laptops open, be the person to bring your notebook and make some doodles and make some notes and just know that you're part of the revolution.
0: that's that's really cool thank you so much for being on the show Ashton
1: you're welcome I had such a great chat with you thanks for having
0: (laughs) me you too bye now mindful tribe thanks for being here thanks for listening and take what we've learned today to reach new heights of calm focus and happiness stay in the mode